Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. My name is Connor Collins. I am a registered massage therapist and sports injury therapist practicing 45 minutes outside of Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. And welcome to the Concast, a podcast where we discuss all things health, wellness, and injuries in an attempt to better understand the human body. This is episode number 55, where I had the pleasure of interviewing Aaron Jewett. Aaron is a professor of health, wellness, and fitness at Mohawk College in Hamilton, Ontario, in Canada, as well as a mindset coach helping former athletes as well as former first responders in the next steps after they are done their first career. We talked a lot about mindset, goal setting, overcoming fears, and some of the tools that are available to you in the event that you are feeling stuck. This was a really great conversation. I know that I learned a lot, and I hope that you do as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Welcome to another interview on the Concast. And this morning, I am very thankful and we are lucky to have today's guest with us. And this episode was sparked from a conversation that I'd had with her three or four months ago now. And I came away from that conversation uh, with a lot of questions, but also a lot of insight. And so I thought I would invite her on the show to share her wisdom and her knowledge with us. So without further ado, Erin Jewett, welcome to the Concast. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Connor. I am happy to be here. So your area of expertise, I guess, would be somewhat of, of looking at mindset and coaching. Is that correct? Correct. When we look at mindset or we talk about mindset, my first question for you is, what is mindset? What do you think mindset means to most people? Or how do you see this broad topic of mindset? Because a lot of people, they sort of use that term. And I don't even know that I necessarily understand it in the way that it's used. And I would love to know your thoughts on the particular meaning of the word mindset. I love that, Connor. And you're right, it is a a term that is being used quite often in our in our society right now and in our discipline right now. And uh, I mean, without prepping this before and just really answering from the first thing that comes through me with what mindset is, is the simplest way I can describe this is it's, it's an attitude toward life, you know, and to have one good day and repeat that day. Simple. It's our attitude toward life. Attitude toward life. I like that a lot. Now, before we delve any further, I should get you to tell the audience a little bit about your background and how you got to where you're at now and focusing more on mindset. So if you wouldn't mind, just tell people a little bit about your journey as short or as long as you want it to be and where you're at now and what you're focusing on in your business and your career. Yeah, so uh, I'll start off right now as I'm, I'm currently a full-time professor in the health, wellness, fitness program at Mohawk College in Hamilton, Ontario, and currently I'm teaching exercise physiology, 
sport and exercise psychology, which is the course I really tie in a lot of the mindset concepts to, as well as biomechanics. So even all three of those disciplines, I, I weave in and out mindset. And you can ask any of the students that there's not a day that goes by that I don't somehow plant a seed of how mindset is so powerful and impactful. Um, leading this into my own business is I actually did start my own business in 2011 as a clinical exercise physiologist working with, you know, a wide variety of athletes recovering from injury. So that's where my, my, I really started off is it was more post physiotherapy. So I had athletes and first responders that I was working with that were injured and in that, that transition period between recovering from an injury and then returning to sports. So it was like that, that, that gap in between. And where my vision was and where I started my business in 2011 was to how can I fill that gap between that, that awkward transition of being injured and not being able to return back to sport, return back to being deployed, whatever the, the container was that they were uh, in. And so my company that I created is to do rehabilitation from a physical standpoint, because in that point in my life, I was all about the body of exercise physiology. How can we use the body from a physiological perspective to help with recovery. How this has evolved into what I'm doing now to circle back to your question is I'm, I'm continuing to evolve and grow and change my myself and my business and my teaching. And this has evolved more into mindset. I'm starting even to use the word more mentorship as opposed to coaching, um, because I believe mentorship is really more of that helping to remember certain things as opposed to let me tell you this. I, I like more of that, that approach of remembering and mentorship. And now the evolution that I've grown into is I've now starting to notice the correlation between mindset and our internal reality. So the past was post-rehabilitation, having a physical injury, and then returning back to sport, returning back to play. And now I'm really noticing a gap between having a mental health diagnosis, having a anxiety, depression, whatever that sensation emotionally is, and then filling that gap to how can we then optimize our life? How can we, that attitude towards life as I looped back into what is mindset. So that's where I've, I've uh, been transitioning to. And as we continue uh, where our world is going, who knows? So stay tuned. Are you still doing any of the physical stuff or is it most almost solely mindset based stuff now? It's transitioned to be almost solely mindset which is if you would have asked me this before, whew, I would never have thought this was the direction that I was going. And I've just been listening to that poll. Why do you say that? Why, why do you think it's in, back in 2011 when you were starting your business like that? What, what have you discovered or what has led you down that path? Has there been a particular circumstance or just a series of investigations with the people that you're seeing? Correct me if I'm wrong as well. You're still seeing sort of the same demographic of people. Correct. Yeah. And there wasn't a singular event, although it's been multiple events that through my awareness and connecting the dots has really noticed that, that there is such a link between recovering through injury and the state of our minds. And what better time when an athlete is injured, or again, I've been working a lot with first responders when they were post-deployment and they were not able to serve, what were they supposed, what, what are they to do as opposed to then dropping into that, into your mind, into stillness, into all of these things that if it might unpack today or not, but understanding what are the tools behind this to help recondition the mind. Where do you think the, uh, the disconnect has been so far in, in some of these individuals that, that we're probably going to discuss? I'm sure. I think that sports psychology is used 
at the highest level, of course, when we talk about uh, elite performance and we're starting to see sports psychology be a little bit more mainstream, but I'm not necessarily sure it's talked a lot in the light that you're discussing it in where we do know that sports psychology is used post-injury, but in particular in the first responder setting, we don't necessarily hear about it talked in the light of sort of sports psychology, mindset, and performance, maybe in the way that you might cover it. And I'm wondering if you could just shed some light onto that or talk about maybe some of the similarities or differences between the two. Yeah. And, and I'm going to open up and share about this one story of my first experience. I won't disclose any names for confidentiality, but it was my first experience working with the Department of National Defense, which was my first, you know, career position after my seven years of schooling and working with ill and injured Canadian forces members coming back from uh, either post deployments or whether they're transitioning to another trade. My role was to help transition the physical and mental rehabilitation. And this is where the seed was planted for me as my very first client came in. Again, I will not disclose the name, but he was ordered to come see me because of a diagnosis that he received. And with that, he was no longer able to, to transition to an, another trade and to be deployed. And the, where the seed was planted for me is the sat across the table with his arms crossed and said, I don't talk about my feelings. And there's a few other curse words that were thrown in there along the way, you know, and, and uh, first day on the job for me. And I was like, what did I get myself into? If somebody isn't willing to open up, what do I do? And so I instantly went to let's go do a workout. Let's move your body. And I use my exercise physiology, knowledge, and experience of let's move the body. Let's experience being outside. I was living in British Columbia at the times for in the nature setting and so on, where this started to come alive for me is post-workout. And I joined him. I went just as hard. I pushed, I, I did all the things I went through action after I then tied in a mindset coaching sports psychology session after the energy had been released through exercise, the tears came, the trauma came, the experience came, the full on breakdown came. And I was left with you just 40 minutes ago said that you don't talk about your feelings. And here we are having a full on conversation about feelings. And I'm right now, my body's fired up, even bringing myself back to that memory because it was so powerful, Connor. And that has then started to, it wasn't a quick shift for me. It was just slowly starting to connect the power behind moving the body and calming our minds. And that opens up these gateways to repatterning trauma that's happened within the mind. Wow. That's a great story. What do you, when we look at, for example, whether it's first responders or athletes and you, you had mentioned that they don't talk about necessarily their feelings, but everybody identifies with something, you know, you identify and in particular in the more elite level, the sport you identify as an athlete often from the athletes that I've worked with over the years. A lot of the time that is from the age of say, you know, if you're going to play professional hockey, you're usually, you usually know that around the age of 12 or 13. And so now you're kind of growing up with this goal. And then an injury sets in, which may be career ending or may put you out for a year or speaking to your first responder example, or even anybody in society that really identifies with their career or their job as their primary, the way that they relate to everything. What do you think are the most important factors to address or that you see in those people once that, once they hit that wall? 
of now I'm here and I don't know what my identity is? And that's a powerful question. And my response to this, Connor, is to redefine who we are beyond what we do. And this is a, sounds like a simple question, but it's not like a, what, how do you like your coffee or what do you want for lunch today? You know, it's a a larger question than that. However, it sounds simple. I wish the answer was that simple. (laughs) So do I, trust me, so do I. I have gone through a lot of my own self-discovery work. I have hired a lot of coaches and spent a lot of money to get clarity for myself on this. So I'm right there with you. I wish that I wish it was simple. The question sounds simple, yet the answer involves a lot of curiosity. And so to ask someone that question of, you know, who, who you are beyond what you do involves some really inward journeying. And part of the, a lot of the work I do from a lot of my own coaches that have mentored me through this process especially now at a time where our world is going through such changes with athletes not being on the court anymore, on the field, on the ice, people being stripped of their jobs right now. This is a pivotal time and a powerful time to really sit with ourselves and ask the question of who you are beyond what you do. And it's a scary question. It's a pretty scary place to go. And so maybe this is a conversation for another day, but that, that would be my, my short response to this is to really get curious. No, I definitely think we should carry on down this path of, um, of of fear. I think that, uh, and a lot of, uh, when I was researching for, for the episode last night, I'd come across, I think a link for your mindset coaching. And it talked a lot about fear, fear of this fear of that discussing a little bit about the areas of the brain that are responsible for fear and you use the word curiosity, and a lot of people are going to come back at you and go, I do not want to look into that box because I am too scared for whatever reason. And like you said, the question is simple, but the answers are obviously complicated and and sometimes take a long time to unpack. What do you say to those people that are just like, I know, sort of that example that you gave earlier, look, I know that I'm not where I need to be, but I am just too scared. I'm either too scared of failing. I'm, I don't want to deal with it. What do you say, or how do you see sort of navigating through those, those really difficult points? Yeah. And it's so common to come up of why would I look at that? What, what is that? What we're performance based as human beings, especially as athletes, as, as performers, we, we want that outcome. So that this comes quite often. And I usually start off by saying, and acknowledging that our best selves are on the other side of this fear. What this involves is trust. So think about a day that you've had where when you push through something, when you lean into that, your best self is on the other side of that. Think of a past event that you have overcame that. And I actually will ask them this question, Connor, tell me about an experience that you overcame fear. Once they can share with me a past experience, I then have them connect to their body. How does that feel in your body? Because our mind is the body keeps the score. And when our mind is connected into our body, I ask them to tell me, and as big or as small, it doesn't have to be a traumatic event. It can be a something, you know, very simple, so to say, but tell me about an experience. Once they then can remember something, a past experience that they overcame that fear, that's how I can see how their mind works right now to then be able to drop in with them, to then guide them past what is stopping you right now. 
What is something that's in your way right now that you feel fear that you are not crossing the threshold? Because let's be honest, just like with, with, with physiotherapy is, is patients come to see you because they need help, right? They, they come to you because they have something that they need help with. Right. Right. So let's, how is this any different than the mind? Someone comes to see me because they're noticing an event in their life where they feel stuck. So that's the very first question I ask them, where do you feel stuck based on that? How have you overcome this in the past? And then now let's work forward by creating some tools because I might be jumping around a little bit now, but your previous question is where are we right now? And I believe our society is doing a really good job of talking about roadblocks or or areas where we're stuck with less of a stigma with the mental health movement and some mental health shifts. I really feel in the last four to five years, we're making a lot of progress in a direction that is positive. So to say where I see the gap still laying are still needing to be filled is it's no longer enough for us to really, it's not enough to just to know we're in a point of history. Now we need to know how, so this, how, when someone comes to me with fear is let's come up with some tools of, of how can we help you cross this threshold to some fear? So even right now, like what's something, what is something in your life right now that, that is bringing up fear? I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but we may as well just get right into it. So I think, and this is not uh, uncommon to anybody else, but the fear of success has always been a little bit weird for me because I always chase success. But at the same time, and I've also read and heard a lot of this, when you get to a certain, if you want to call it level of success, whether that be monetary or you've set a goal or you've done something that you've always wanted to do, for me, there's like this interesting feeling of guilt and plateau where you, you're kind of like, well, I've done this and I could go more, but I'm not sure that I should. And so there's this little bit of guilt, I guess, with success. I don't necessarily have a problem in doing fearful things, but I've always sort of had that, I guess, guilt associated with success because obviously there are people that don't aren't afforded the same opportunities that I have had as a result of that, it kind of makes me reflect on on those people. And as a result of that, I feel quite a bit of guilt. There's my example of something that would be, I guess, fearful to me. Some of the other people that I have read have suggested ways to try and overcome that being look at your career and look at the good that you can do with it or reframing things and trying to help other people and mentor other people, which is what a lot of, you know, help other people, which is a lot of what the podcast has to to do with and teach other people, which is a real passion of mine. But yeah, I would say that that's definitely something that I have, I've struggled with for sure. Yeah. And, and one thing that pops up for me with this is to even perhaps redefine success because we have a construct that we are in of what is, what is success? You know, and we have a society's way of knowing we get the job, we get the, we get the house, we get the relationship, we get the things and to sit with yourself. And, and I, and I'm right, I'm right here with you with that, with this process of redefining success. Well, and further to your point uh, regarding that, I do believe that that is really accurate because, you know, we do chase these things like career and we chase things like a home or money and stability And sometimes when you have that, 
you do have to think about what you have and whether that's truly what you want as well as, and it's obviously easier said than done, but just whether that lights you up or whether you're just kind of caught in something and maybe you're a little bit bored or you're struggling with something. And I think that's what it all comes back to is we talked earlier about fear and we talked about some of the roadblocks that you have to overcome. You can think about that all day, but at the end of the day, you have to make yourself a priority, right? And especially, and if you could speak to this, when other people are involved in your decisions, it only makes, or other people are affected by your decisions, it only makes it that much more complicated, doesn't it? Absolutely. And hey, depending on who that other person is, (laughs) potentially this offers a, yeah, very challenging. So with those really complex situations, what do we do with those? We just, again, break them down into what are our priorities? What are our, what are we fearful of? And and maybe I've also heard other people or read that other people would say, just continue to move in the right direction. Try every day to move towards something. I think the example that I've given on other podcasts is if you want to run 10 K, you have to start by putting your shoes on or putting your shoes at the door. And maybe you're not capable of making that big leap. Is it as simple as it sounds really, I guess is what I'm getting at is make yourself a priority and start to move towards these things. This is it, Connor, is, is the, the, we overcomplicate so much. And this comes from the, from the body to the mind to a, a lot. It's when we can really simplify. And James Clear has a really good book called, it's on atomic habits. And this is something that I've revisited quite often when I was, um, the last couple of years, at least. And he really talks and speaks to the concept of daily wins. So when we can stack habits, And what I mean by habits is is your daily discipline, your daily wins. When you can stack those daily wins, what happens to your week? We then start to stack our week. When we can stack a week, we stack a month, a year, and so on. And so it is uh, as simple as as having that vision of where we're going to create that reality of what we want to be seeing and where we want to be going to repattering the neurochemistry within our brains. And then the act, that's awareness. That's step one. But step two, really is action and the action can come through your daily wins and stack those on top of one another so just the more daily wins you can get the better and as simple as simple as they are what do you suggest you do you have people write them down do you do people use apps what are some of the sort of tips or tricks that you will suggest to people yeah, the, the, the tangible tools I, I advise to my clients and specifically to students right now, I've been really uh, connecting more with students this semester specifically, given what, what we are currently going through from a global pandemic perspective and the support that's required. And, and I'm having uh, a lot of my own clients write things down pen to paper. It's that old school style of when the neural pathways build in and get stronger when we go pen to paper and I'll have them structure a day. And uh, Joe Dispenza has a really good concept right now of creating your own formula. And what I actually have my clients do is to create their daily formula of what time do you wake up? What does your self-care look like in the morning? When are you doing your deep work time? When are you moving your body? When are you doing all of these things? When are you meditating? 
Meditation is like brushing your teeth, is like having a shower, is like eating food. Like that, if that's not in their daily uh, formula, I, I invite them to include it. And whether this be three minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever you have time for, but that structure is created on paper. And then I revisit it and say, where are the gaps? Where are you, where are, is fear arising that you're having difficult stepping through? And that's the template that I always start with. Yeah. And I think maybe people don't realize is these actions of tangible things and uh, list making. And I I've talked about this on other podcasts is very, very powerful. And I think that it does reframe the negative bias that the brain will often lead to. And as you said, then you can get into stacking days or weeks and whatever that is, make your lists and make your list to set yourself up for success, right? Brush your teeth, shower, whatever that is, it, that, that might be all it is in the beginning, but trying to, again, reframe how the brain is seeing success or seeing accomplishments. And then you start to maybe learn what you're all about a little bit more, right? Maybe you start to look a little bit more within and then after some time of list making, maybe you get into the, the more scary stuff, the more fearful stuff, and you break down after the workout. And maybe that is done through meditation, or maybe that is inviting something that's a little bit more daunting to you in, in the process. Yeah. And like, even to come back when we talk about this, you know, concept of success, I don't know, kind of zoned in on that right now. It's like to be asking questions of what moments in your life have you felt success and write those out. You know, what are three things that you contributed to make this happen? That's where the magic really happens is we can say, I got the job, I got the house, I got the relationship. Okay, great. That's surface. Let's go to the scary places and then ask the question of what have you uniquely contributed to make this outcome happen? That's controlled by you. So perhaps that's discipline, perhaps that's drive, perhaps that's passion, perhaps that's what is it for you? And then to select what stands out to then recreate that success for you. Because getting the job, getting the house, getting the varsity athlete position is the outcome, is the byproduct of something, of a behavior. So let's go to the scary place of the behavior that you can control. Yeah, and when people lose that behavior through something like sport or being a first responder, that's where you see all these emotions that are being stirred up. I mean, I even see it in friends of mine uh, that used to play not even necessarily varsity sports, but maybe junior hockey, or they were a soccer player in high school, and they will always go back to those moments and talk about those moments. And yeah, they're pretty, they're funny, right? Like you talk about those moments, but you're also a little bit inquisitive about why does this person continually bring up, you know, high school hockey or high school <laughs> soccer? I think there's definitely something to be said about that. What are your feelings on when people look within and then they are in these circumstances where they just recognize that they are on the opposite side of the world as to where they want to be, or they're very unhappy with where they're at. And, and it almost seems like what they need to do to redefine their mindset is take a huge leap. What 
do you say when it seems like the two points are so far apart? Just do it. The classic Nike saying is so so great of just do it. And, and I want to unpack this a little bit more because if it, if it is a really scary place that you're going to get from point A to point B, support is number one. So let me go with that as support. How about like every coach needs a coach every, uh, from that mentorship perspective, because it, that leap can be, you know, we, we might need a little of assistance getting from point A to point B. And so with that, with that awareness around that, that step or that leap needs to be made, then the action is what's necessary. And by just doing it, because that your best self is on the other side of that. And that the tangible steps are going to look so different for every, I need a bit more context. I believe if, if, if I need to know where somebody is and where they're going, because it's not a one size fits all solution. It, it, it unfortunately is not. Um, but with more detail of a, of a, an example, I can, you know, speak to it a little bit uh, more thoroughly in terms of where you are and where you want to be going with, with these steps that's required, but uh, awareness, action. What about in the context of a person that recognizes where they want to go, but they're just not going to do it? Do you think, so for example, I'm not happy in a relationship that I'm in, but I'm going to stay in it for reasons X, Y, and Z or I'm not happy in a job that I'm in, but it gives me a lot of stability and I've chosen to do this for the stability that it gives me, but it doesn't really fill my cup, so to speak. What do you, would you say to those people then that potentially taking the leap might offer more negative consequence and is there an opportunity to reframe where maybe we can get some, okay, if you're not going to do X, is there another thing? Because I think ultimately what this is all about is happiness. People want to be happy. It's sort of what we are innately driven by, and that often becomes muddied. So if the person's not going to leap forward with that huge leap uh, because of whatever reason to, to look for happiness, would you then sort of suggest that, okay, let's reframe and what are some other things that, or what other path can we go down to, to pursue that? Yeah. And, you, and you've nailed that with identifying happiness. And when I go back to that original question of success, you know, I actually, I, I want to do this with you at, at another time, because it's like, it's the, 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 the job, the house, the, the relationship that that's what's that feeling we're chasing. And that feeling that we're chasing is, is often that feeling of fulfillment, joy, happiness. And so to loop this back into your, into your question here, this is where things get fun with the curiosity of creating pathways. So what I mean by creating pathways, if let's say you're, you're staying in a job because it provides that security, well, the byproduct of of that is that you're going to be staying within your job until you make the choice to go to cross that path of fear. What else can you start to implement within your life that cultivates fulfillment, that cultivates happiness, that cultivates joy to offset that? So perhaps that is a passion that you have on the side, whether it be, you know, creative writing, doing a podcast like you're doing right now, doing some kind of other pathway that then fulfills that void that is being stifled, so to say, by staying in a relationship, a job, a location that perhaps you're not as fulfilled with. And it's to redefine that until we can then make choices. Well, I'll give you a a personal example, actually, is I have criteria for myself of in order for myself to be fulfilled overall, like to be fully, my cup is full. So I'm, I'm embodying and overflowing onto others that I'm with is job satisfaction, time off, 
salary, and location. And if I have three of those four components or pathways, I'm fulfilled. Meaning that if I, you know, um, let's say don't make a lot of money, but I have a whole lot of time off. I love to travel and the world is opened up. So then I'm, I don't have that pathway to then pursue, but if I make fairly good money and say, don't have a lot of time off, then that, that stifles my fulfillment and joy because I, I like to explore. So you see where I'm going with that. And this is, it changes for me. I've added location to the mix. Um, so to go back to pen and paper and, and go to that place of what does that look like for you? And that's where my mentorship comes in is let me help you redefine this. Let me guide you. It's, I don't have the answers. This is the beautiful thing that I've really come to understand within my own style is, and this has come through other coaching that I've received is, is they never had the answer for me. The answers are within me. The answers are within you as the listener that I can help guide you there and get and create curiosity, but you have to, you know, go in there and, 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 and listen to the answers that are within to redefine. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point because for some people, they might have everything already and they might have that happiness and that's amazing. And if, if happiness is being brought by career car house, and that is what fulfills them, then who are you to say otherwise that that doesn't fulfill them, right? And it's so individualistic. So I think you you couldn't be more right about that. What about when we start along this process of introspection and we are starting to stack these days, we're feeling good, we're feeling confident, we're feeling pretty happy. And then we hit a roadblock or we miss a couple of days or something comes up or we're thrown a, a big wrench in our, in our process. What do we do? Don't miss another. <laughs> there, there's my simple question. What, what happens then? My simple answer, don't miss the next day. So just start again. It's, it's my, it's my non-negotiable. If I, if, when I, not, not if. My transparency right now is when I do not have a, uh, a strong win for the day, so to say, my non-negotiable is I don't miss the next day. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, I think that also relates to personality a lot because at the start of this year, I've realized that meditation and exercise are non-negotiables, but I treated them like negotiables for a long time. And some of the examples that I've given is if I say to myself or you say to yourself, if you're listening to us, I'm going to work out three times a week. Let's say you miss Monday, you miss Tuesday, you might work out Wednesday, you miss Thursday, Friday. And then you say, well, I've got two more days to work out Saturday, Sunday. Well, it's the weekend. So let's say you miss one of those days. Well, you've, you've already sort of given too much leeway so my non-negotiable now is a minimum 30 minutes of exercise a day and meditate every day. So it, it doesn't mean that the exercise has to be of high intensity. It means I have to set an appointment with myself to do something structured and it can even be a hike or it can be a walk or it can be yoga or it can be an intense workout. But I know that every day I have to do that. And so it's in my calendar and it's, it's part of my routine. I know that for me personally, that will work well because I live well by those sort of strict rules. Now, that's not to say that everybody needs to follow that, but maybe having that introspection first on what's going to work for me, maybe even would you say 
putting in stop gaps ahead of time to recognize, look, if I hit a roadblock, not hit the roadblock and then figure it out. If I hit a roadblock a month from now, how am I going to orchestrate that? And this is the thing about having difficult conversations, you know, of not when it, not if it happens, but when it happens and, and to raise the awareness around how to then handle this, you know, and just like you said, like you've set out this, you know, your, your movement, your meditation, and it's like, what is that providing you? It you like, is that clarity that you receive from that by moving the body, calming the mind and so on. And so it's to have this conversation with, with clients, with students, with, with whoever, uh, whatever pathway or vehicle you're using to access this truth is, is to have this difficult conversation of when this comes up, what is the game plan? What is the action plan that you are going to implement? Yeah, I think that it's just so, so important. We avoid it though, right? We avoid the uncomfortable. Let's put it that way. We have like, who wants to be uncomfortable, you know, and uh, lean into it. Well, the other thing too, is these things are going to happen. Setbacks happen. This idea that we can move, we can create a goal and it's going to be this straight linear line. It's just unrealistic. And the, the idea that we won't have changes in our emotion, we won't experience symptoms of anxiety, depression, sadness, happiness, joy, elation, we'll experience all of those and we'll see a variety of setbacks. I was talking to you just before we started recording, I recorded a podcast yesterday, the first 30 minutes I didn't record. We had to shoot the entire thing over again. <laughs> it's like things happen and I've had plenty of growing pains from just starting this podcast, but it's also led to a lot of personal fulfillment. It's led to a lot of other opportunities. It's not something that if you had have talked to me two years ago, similar to yourself, that I probably would have said, I probably won't have a podcast two years from now, but sometimes things work out that way when you look inside yourself, I guess, a little bit. And this is what I love, Connor, is because let, let's Let's lean into choosing this, right? Like you're right. We, we do experience these, these difficult, uncomfortable times and let's choose that. And I, Joe Rogan speaks to this or has spoken to this in the past of by working out, you're choosing to be uncomfortable and let's, let's practice what it feels like to make the choice to do a heavy, hard workout and then allow our body to physiologically respond. Let's choose to sit in meditation Let's choose that because, I mean, let's go down this for a second of, of meditation. What we empirically know is that no matter how much time you put in, ju just like exercise, meditation is a practice, right? So when we sit in that stillness or you don't have to be in a yoga position, sitting on a yoga mat, that's not what I'm getting at, but it's, what, it's, it's that practice of calming the mind and, and, and quieting the mind. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. So just as if you were training to get stronger, you know, 30 minutes is better than no minutes. 10 minutes is better than no minutes. So why not grow your brain so that you have more of the, these raw materials to create, to invent, to dream, to learn, to remember what stillness feels like? Yeah, you couldn't have said it better there. It's all about practice and practice doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be practice. It just has to be this daily wins, right? It just, it has to, it, this is why actually I love working with, with retired athletes because they have the understanding of what it's like to practice. I bring them back. How many times did you go to the court and practice, you know, you know, shooting, dribbling, passing, and so on. So let's take that discipline of practice of doing, and now let's transition this into sitting into stillness of being. 
which is maybe a deeper concept than some of the listeners are, are willing to go through, but it's, it's a similar container, although it looks different because we're not performing, but the outcome, the byproduct leads to joy, leads to fulfillment, leads to clarity. Like calmness is a superpower. I don't know care what anyone says. We all debate this, but it's calmness is a, is a superpower to be able to have that calm state of mind and calm presence. Whew. Can we go down the path of, of working with athletes uh, a little bit and just maybe talk about some of your experiences or similarities or commonalities that you see across, I guess, individuals that have been high performers in the athletic realm and now all of a sudden their career is over and they're having a hard time making a transition into that next stage of their life. What would you say to those people? And I'm hopefully going to be interviewing a few on the podcast later in the year that have gone through that process, but are they any different than anybody else or it's, it's just uh, the same thing again? As I mentioned, it's not a one size fits all uh, solution. And I can say Connor from experience and, and I'm still learning. I'm still experiencing by no means. Am I saying this saying I've got it all figured out? This is the mat. This is the recipe. But I can say for you from being observant with past athletes that I've worked with, the dots are connected very similarly is when you can ask the athlete of, of again, who you are without being on the court and connect back into, into what lights them up. Is it to be in service? Is it, is it to be leading with love? Is it to be connecting? Is it, what is that? What fires them up? Because let's be honest, sport is a vehicle to access that. So without sport, what are we accessing? Yeah, you're exactly right. They're getting that fulfillment from sport. Now they don't have it and they just have to reframe. And then somebody else might have gotten fulfillment from their career and now they no longer are and they have to reframe. And this is it is what are you, what's the sensation you're chasing? But again, when we get into touchy feely emotions, it's like, Ooh, that's scary. I don't want to go there. So it's how you approach it is number one. And, and, and learning about the individual, this is where the practice has really come in on, on, on the role that I'm in right now is to understand how, what access point can I drop in with them? Because it's different. Your drop in point is different than somebody else's. So that's where it's, yeah, it's, it's navigating, navigating what access point can I drop in with them and lead them to what feeling are you chasing with whatever the sport job, whatever that is, because that's the root of it. And it's not a simple answer to a question. It's going to take, takes a little finessing, but that root is really what we're getting at. And to answer your original question is it's, I've seen it almost textbook style for every athlete. It just, how we get in there looks different. What do you think about physical activity? I see a lot on your social media, you sort of doing a variety of different physical activities, like you'll be in a really, really cold lake in the mountains, doing some ice baths, you're traveling a lot, you're pushing yourself physically. How do you think, and we know obviously the benefits of physical activity, but how do you think that doing things that are physically incredibly uncomfortable play into mindset and it doesn't necessarily have to be physically in the context of taking an ice bath, but maybe for me, I hate flying. So I'm going to be jumping out of a plane at some point just because I hate it. Maybe now that I've said this on the podcast, it's just kind of solidified this because I've now I can't go back at all. But uh, what do you think 
about these sort of like physical things and making yourself feel uncomfortable physically and how that might change your mindset. I, I can't look over this one because when it's your when it's your time to jump out of a plane, I have a large group of friends that are, are able to take you out of this plane. So uh, you, you're going to be hearing from me. Like, so, you can't say this, and I'm not going to follow through with yeah, you. Thanks very much. <laughs> it's out there. Um, so it's happening. It's happening. Um, so to to answer your question, with that is is um, again with 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 this it information of if it's not being enough to know it's I believe we need to know how so in order for me to know how I need to experience I need to experience what it's like to be in an ice bath and have my body physiologically respond to thermal regulation through the biological control system and all the things that happen physiologically and where I tie in my mind to this is if I'm going to be talking to others about how to repattern our mind, my, my belief is I speak through experience. If I mean being in that, what did I say to myself when I'm in that ice bath? What is I'm connecting to my breath. I'm under, like I'm going through the steps that the reason I engage in, in activities that push my own boundaries is so that I'm rewiring my own brain. I'm rewiring my own trauma that I've experienced. And by going through my own repatterning of my own trauma has led me into the path of where I am today. And so I continue to do this to make the conscious effort to expose myself to hard situations and make the choice to repattern my mind. Because when things happen that are not in my control, I lean into it and I have that patterning I'm working on clearing that to be more of an automatic response because my default is to freeze is to, you know, and not to respond and to react. And this has been through, you know, from a childhood thing. And so it's, it's over the years to peel back the layers of, of going into action without fear. Would you say then that when you're not choosing to do these things, you're making excuses for yourself? Heck yeah. <laughs> so Again, it, it's sometimes, sometimes we don't want to hear that, I guess, right? We don't want to hear that. Number one, it's as simple as you said, setting goals and achieving goals. And number two, if you're not doing that, you're making an excuse and you're not making yourself a priority. And this is it. It's like, it's the response. This is it. This is something that I've been leaning into recently, actually, is understanding the responsibility that comes with knowing that it's all within, it's all in my control. When I've now understood it's my responsibility and I, I can no longer make vivid dreams if I you know, don't take responsibility for something, with that comes this higher level of responsibility that I can no longer blame somebody else or something else. I can't blame my partner. I can't blame my job. I can't blame my location. It's, it's my responsibility to fill myself up. And that's a big responsibility. So of course we don't want to accept that and lean into that. Do you think it's important that we get people on board with what we're doing in saying that and speaking to our own responsibility for taking action and changing ourselves how important do you think it is to get support and good people in your corner or even what do you say when people are sort of in your corner maybe saying the opposite of what you feel inside it's okay to let those go that no longer serve you you know and this can be you know let's just tie this back to an athlete for a second when you no longer are in that athletic container anymore and a friend or a colleague or a um 
you know, no longer served you, it's okay to let that go. It's okay to shed those layers. It's okay in your friend circle. If no, if somebody don't, no longer supports where you're evolving into, it's okay to let that go. And I can't tell you the amount of, of friends and acquaintances that I've had to just shed and, and let go. And it's, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging, but as we switch the containers that we are serving in, then sometimes that that involves you letting some of uh, some of those people go. And but what I can tell you, this Connor, is that knowing that your best self is on the other side of this discomfort is worth it. And it's not always pretty. It's messy. It's you know uncomfortable. But the the joy and the elation that we feel on the other that you can feel as the listener on the other side is worth going down there. I I, I do promise you that. What do we do when we're in circumstances where? we get too obsessed about the thing that we're chasing to a point where it becomes unhealthy. And I think that you have probably seen this, especially in working with athletes where they lose their purpose and then they decide that they're going to pursue a career or pursue whatever it is. And they've got a list of 85 things and they achieve everyone every day. And it's you start to notice that people are maybe losing sight of why they're doing it. How might we revisit ourselves or how how might you suggest that people do that um, when things become a little bit too obsessive, if that is even the right word? That, that is. And I would even say of like overachievers, overdoers, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I've been in that category and, and to a certain degree, I'm still there, you know, in different aspects of my life. And, and to be transparent about that is something that, you know, to ruthlessly pursue something, to just hammer things out, to just go all in. And it's like, with, with that is that can, that obsession can lead to burnout, can lead to self-destructing. And like, I I've been hospitalized a couple of times from burnout. I've been down that, that dark, scary path of, of obsessing over, over what, and we, you know, and that, that's the thing is, is what was I chasing? And when I can sit with myself now and be very clear on what is the sensation I'm chasing by obsessing, it's really to be seen, to be heard, to be loved, to be all of these things. And when we can get to the root of that, that's where a lot of the uh, obsession can start to dissipate and, and soften into still do the thing, still achieve the tasks, but with more grace and with more ease and with more acceptance of yourself that it's okay to have an off day. It's okay to take a time out and to fill yourself up. It's okay to go crush a hard workout. It's okay. You couldn't have said it better really. And with respect to, to what you've already said about having some sort of meditative practice as part of your day, I think allows you to observe that because you're right. And I've been in the burnout phase a lot as well and I think those type a personalities or people that are achieving trying to understand and get the best out of themselves end up burning out at some point it's part of a learning curve let's put it this way there was there was me pre-meditation me post-meditation and after my last burnout eight or nine years ago when I decided to bring in meditation now I can take the opportunity to recognize that is not going in the right direction. And again, like we said earlier, it doesn't have to be sitting or I was speaking with another mindfulness coach 
uh, yesterday, and he was saying it doesn't have to be sitting in a dark room with candles and whale sounds. It can be it can be making a list, but at least having the recognition that. And then what is the outcome of what you're doing? Does it relate back to your goals? And is it heading in the right direction of your desired outcome? Or are you starting to veer off in a path because you're too tired? You're starting to withdraw from people or social events. At least having that little bit of time to reflect will allow you to maybe prevent yourself from getting there. Would you agree? Agree. And I can relate to this. When I when I dropped into my meditation practice was after a back injury, you know, I had a compression fracture on three vertebrae and damage to my left leg. And I was, you know, in a very dark place and removed from a lot of my own titles and my own doingness of, of tasks and activities. And, and I had this preconceived misconception of meditation was like sitting in that yoga position with like mala beads and all of the things. And it just turned me off actually of it. I'm like, that's not, I don't look at myself in that way. And when I was able to push past that, that it, uh, as you mentioned from the previous conversation is it doesn't need to look a certain way, but what we are getting at is the stillness is the, the thoughts are always going to be there. If we have the obsession that we're trying to never have thoughts come in the way, well, let me make your process a little bit quicker that the thoughts are always going to be coming in like text messages where the magic really happens with this is to learn to discard them. And to learn to sit with it, whether it be when you're making a list or you're cooking food, is like I do this a lot when I'm cooking. It's a meditative practice for me when I'm cooking. That when a thought comes in my mind, I actually stop chopping. It's like, hmm, well, where is that coming from? Do I and I'm, I don't respond to it? I go back to chopping my vegetables. It's just it's an awareness to then discard it. And so it's 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 they're always going to be there. But what meditation practice truly does is 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 that practice of to react to that thought or to discard it to not create that internal chaos within us. Yeah, and I think for everybody that listens to this podcast, I pretty much talk about the brain and meditation in almost every episode. So this is me just trying to get entry points into all of you to take it up in some way, shape, or form. Because I do think that whether it's a minute a day, a couple of lists, I think it is one of the more valuable things that you can do. And it's very, very undervalued for the amount of time that you have to put in or simply just checking in with yourself. And I will, I will continue to talk about it uh, because I do think it is so important. Do you have anything else? Anything else you want to leave the listeners with? Any other thoughts? I think there's been a lot of gold here so far for people to yeah. to learn from and take take from. I know that you gave a couple of examples kind of midway through, but maybe if you have any other any other tips, suggestions, words of wisdom for for people that are looking to change their circumstance and maybe reframe their mindset. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that's coming through me is that you, you can't do it wrong. There's no wrong way to meditate. There's no wrong way to do stillness. There's no wrong way. It's just the way, you know? And so to remember that, you know, uh, the simple practices of, of just starting, just doing it, just do the, do the thing, whatever that thing is, you know? And, and I think as, as athletes, we're like, am I doing it right? Is my form right? Is this squat pattern right? Is this throw right? But to remember when we're talking about mindset and tools to help repattern mindset leading into meditation is there's no wrong way. It is just doing the practice and allowing what comes up. And then I think I'll leave the listeners with a few things of, 
some apps that are out there that can really help for those that need guidance is Headspace is an amazing app that's out there. They just released a Netflix series that's fantastic. Um, the Headspace app, the Calm app is something that LeBron James started to endorse. And he's got some great things for athletes. That's actually what I use in sports and exercise psychology is to introduce the students to apps that are out there that can help guide you. Um, and those are, uh, you know, a few places to start. And I, I think the last thing I'll leave you guys with is, is the power of our breath that if meditation scares you or the word scares you or turns you off is to research has shown that six deep breaths is enough to drop you into this space to rewire heart rate, blood pressure, and lower all of our physiological responses that create a lot of chaos within the body. So connect with your breath. Amazing. Where can people find you, Aaron, if they want to work with you or they have an interest in your work and want to pursue more of what you're doing, any of your social media or website stuff, feel free to, uh, to chat about that. Yeah, I'm active on social media through uh, Instagram uh, at Prof Aaron Jewett. Uh, also active on you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the all the platforms. Really, I've been a little bit quieter on social media lately with all with all the noise going on. But I'm I'm, I'm feeling like I'm coming back out there. So that's where you can find me. I have my links to my uh, my uh, coaching website on there. Happy to chat with anyone. Perfect. Thanks so much. So just to review, folks, be present with the breath. Just do it, and whatever decision you make is going to be the right one. That's all for today. If you have any questions or comments for myself or Aaron, feel free to leave them in the comment section below. As always, I hope that you found this episode to be of value to you, and we will see you in the next one.